This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, items from the show include Arlene Dickinson here, and not only talking about ways to reinvest in small business and ways to shop local, Arlene Dickinson, the dragon from Dragon's Den, also shares some of her making habits during COVID, which is very cool to listen to. What an incredibly neat human being. We also have Are You Okay with Crotch Kung Fu and Porch Pirates, uh, not to be confused with Crotch Pirates and Porch Kung Fu. Oh, dear. Very different conversation. <laughs> uh, Stephen Hare also joined us on the show. He's from Calgary and A Christmas Carol in Calgary. It's not available for live view, but it is available on digital for all Canadians to enjoy. It's a little bit different, only three actors, but hey, in the spirit of Christmas. So all of this and more coming up on today's Shift Daily Podcast. Like, share it, subscribe to it, and grab it on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify and TuneIn. This week on the show, we promised that we would try to speak to different ways that we can support local. I mean, I'm guilty of it. I will admit that I've said, oh, I support local, and then I order something off of Amazon. And don't get me wrong, I, I appreciate Amazon. It's quick, it's easy, it arrives. And how can you order something in like a tap and a swipe? My God, the technology is amazing. But what else is amazing are local people who are working hard. Local people that are just out there, you know, living their dream, living their passion, risking, frankly, their financial well-being. And we watch those stores. And we don't want them to go away. So I thought I would invite somebody who uh, really has a passion wrapped around all of this. Uh, she shared that publicly, for sure, in an in, uh, effort to inspire. And her name is Arlene Dickinson. And you might recognize her name from being super awesome famous all across Canada. Because uh, she is a uh, dragon and all those things from the Dragon's Den. And... Arlene, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming. I really appreciate it. No, it's my pleasure. <clears throat> my pleasure to be here. I'm I'm excited to talk about the things that uh, matter. You know, it's it's nice to have a conversation that's you know unfiltered and just just uh, really focusing on things that are important uh, right now. Isn't it strange when you walk through a mall or by a strip mall and you see a four lease sign, and then you can't remember for the life of you what used to be there. I find that the most heartbreaking moment of all things business is walking through the mall and go, huh, something was there. What was there? And then we don't remember that. I think it's a good example of being um, disengaged from our community a little bit. Um, how important is it for you to see some of these businesses succeed? Because you are a person who has really always stepped into, if there's been a pattern that I've noticed in your work is is making sure that everyone gets a shot. Yeah, listen, I, I, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur and, and I believe in entrepreneurial endeavors. And I, and I think, you know, we, we talk as a country a lot about people will say, oh, small business is the backbone of our country and of our economy and, you know, all those things. But then we, we don't always respect the entrepreneur as much as we should. So, and I think, I think, I think there's a difference too between, you know, I, I kind of separate out a small business owner and, a, and an entrepreneur that's building something kind of crazily unheard of before and new, but they're both the same type of people in, in that they both are prepared to put everything on the line in order to, you know, live the, the lifestyle that they want to live and do the things that they see that they can do. And, and I think that we, we forget how much these small businesses actually contribute and, and, and we forget how much these small business people go through the pain that they go through. I, you know, I was on LinkedIn the other day and I, I posted about how, you know, unless you've put your, you know, you've had to mortgage your house to the hilt and you've borrowed against all your credit cards and you've given your life insurance to a lender and you've, you know, signed personal guarantees on everything and you've, you know, being in special loans at the bank and you've had to pay other people, but yourself, unless you've done all these things, it's really hard to get in the mindset of what an entrepreneur or a small business person goes through. But they do it because they believe in supporting their community, their country. And of course, they want to create jobs. And of course, they want to help themselves as well. So I, I'm a big believer that we should support entrepreneurialism. And we don't do enough of it in our country. Um, and we need to focus on it. So when you say, you know, walking by that for lease sign and wondering who was there, 
Yeah. And that's a really sad thing. Um, part of the blame is on sometimes the business itself didn't do a good job of marketing itself. Sometimes it wasn't the selling something people really wanted, but oftentimes it's because it was forgotten in the, in the, you know, in the urge to go to a big box. And I do want to touch a little bit on what you said um, about feeling some guilt about Amazon. You know, Amazon sells a lot of goods that small business owners create. So, yep. you know, there, there, there's, there, there's, you're not, you're not an evil person. If you're shopping on Amazon, just make sure that you're also shopping on, you know, directly with small businesses and local, local businesses as well. I mean, the reality is, is e-commerce is here to stay. We, we, of course, nobody wants to give Amazon more money and I get that, but I don't want people to feel so bad because some of these small businesses actually rely on their Amazon sales. So it's a little bit of, you know, it's a little bit of a catch 22. Well, and drivers as well. I mean, they have yes. hired locally all kinds of warehouse workers, all kinds of drivers, and supporting local includes not forgetting about those people that work in those stores too. So you're, I, I totally see it. It's like this. It's such a catch twenty two of making sure that we're just aware of of what's going on. Tell me about raving review because the notion, I think, is so simple, easily forgotten and something that everybody can be a part of with or without spending a bunch of money. Yeah. The notion, the idea of raving review came, you know, I was talking to my team at venture communications, my marketing firm, and we were saying, you know, what can we do to support small business that is going to make a difference, but isn't going to cost people something because we're all saying shop local, shop local and, you know, buy gift cards and, you know, make sure you're spending money with people, but not all of us have money to spend. And we, you know, we only have so much money to spend. So if everybody is saying, well, I've only got, I can only buy one thing from somebody, but I still want to support all the other local stores that are out there. How do I do that? And the idea came that we start talking about how important reviews are like if you go online and you see somebody the first thing anyone does anymore is you look at the reviews of you know whether or not this is a store you want to buy from are they going to be reliable is the product they're selling good or you know are they are they um price competitive all of these things and so reviews have become incredibly important and on google and yelp the the more positive reviews you get the more you rank and search so when somebody's looking for the type of item you sell the more you're going to come up to the top of the page because you have so many positive reviews and then we started saying well gee you know reviews help on your website and Oh, and the other thing is if you have positive reviews, people are more likely to go to your uh, store, but they're also more likely to spend more in your store. So we said, hey, maybe there's an idea here. Why don't we just get people to talk about positive experiences that they've had with small businesses? And in sharing that, it'll help the business and it'll also help um, uh, them it rank and it'll also help them get more uh, money in the door. So we came up with the idea of a raving review where people could post a positive review. First of all, you have to have had a good experience with the company, but you post a positive review on Google or Yelp for the business. And then after you've done that, you can take that same review you posted and you can actually then perform that review in a video, a very short video that you then share on social media. So you're hitting two things. You're hitting Google and Yelp review and you're hitting, you know, the website. And, and then you're also hitting um, social with your own voice and enthusiasm to say how much you love the business that you're supporting. So it's pretty simple. You do a Google or Yelp review. You then, after you've done that, you post it and then you go and you take that review and you can read it with enthusiasm and energy and love. Just like when you're talking to people, how you get so enthusiastic when you find a great product, you go, oh my God, I found this best thing. You won't believe it. We want that kind of enthusiasm. So then you can do a video and you can post it on your social channels and that's it. Free, easy, absolutely appreciated. It drives tons of business. I did one the other day for a company that makes little snowflake, um, really funny um, kind of FU 2020 snowflakes that they had for Christmas tree decorations. And she got, you know, 150 orders as a result of that one little review. Wow. So, you know, like these are the things that you can do, all of us can do to, to drive support and to show support. You don't have to always put money behind it. You just need to put thought and care behind it. Uh, there's three different places that you just took me. Um, I love the idea. I, tr I truly do. One is currency as the word guy. Um, there are more currencies than just dollars. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if you want to invest um, 
in currency, you can do that the way you speak of. Uh, and putting your face on it and being able to say that excitement. Cause you're right. I mean, that's that, that excitement of, Oh my God, I found the coolest thing ever. Or you're sharing with, Hey, what'd, what'd you get for the kids or, or your nieces and nephews? Oh my God, I got the coolest thing ever. Right. Um, but then it steps into, and that, that sharing piece gets so exciting when we do it and we're inspired to do it. But if we ask people to share, we get shy. And if we ask people to speak up, especially in today's world, quite often we get shy I don't know if it's a condition of humanity today or if it's one of those things that trolling on the internet has forced people to get quiet about it. But how do we how do we cut through that? How do we make sure everybody knows, oh no, you matter. Oh no, your voice matters. Because we'll get in our heads, right? We'll be like, oh, I'm just I'm just a guy. I just change tires for a living. I nobody cares what I have to say. And, and make sure that people understand, oh no. People care what you have to say, and it, you need to speak up and share it. Yeah, listen, it's it is hard um, because you there are bots and trolls and all sorts of you know bad things that happen in social media. But there's also a lot of really good things that happen on social media, and then you have to learn how to be able to shut down the negative and focus on on the positive that you want to do, and and that's all we can do. That's all we can ever do. So. Yeah, you might not think you make an impression, but if all you did was wait, make one person, if all you did was post a raving review and the small business owner you posted about felt a little bit of energy to keep going and a little bit of um, support and felt like there was somebody out there that is actually caring about what they're doing, that in and of itself is a reason to do it. You don't need to have, you know, thousands of responses and lots of you know, feeling like you're somehow boiling the ocean with your one review, what you need to do is feel good about the fact you're supporting somebody. And, and, and I, I hate that we are reluctant to say positive things for fear of being shut down. You know, that that's a that's a crappy world. I don't want to live in that world. I don't want to be part of that world. I'm going to continue to say good things and say what I believe. And hey, it's my opinion. Nobody has to follow me. Nobody has to like what I say. But I'm not going to be afraid to stand up for what I believe in. And and in doing so, um, you know, hopefully do some good. And if, if, but again, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, maybe it's age at some point, you just stop being less concerned about what other people think about you. But I would say to anybody listening, don't be afraid to say something positive. Don't be afraid of what could happen on, on, you know, if somebody, if somebody's going to say something negative about you saying something positive, that person gets taken care of pretty darn quick on social media. I found, you know, somebody, <laughs> I find if I say something positive and somebody jumps in and makes it into something ne negative, it doesn't take long before the community of followers puts that person to, you know, says, just stop. That's not appropriate here. Yeah. Um, so people will, will jump in and support you. You'd be surprised. We, um, we experience that here on the show, our audience, we call shift heads uh, with the shift. <laughs> and uh, the uh, the community of this show is quite remarkable. I would like to take this on, Arlene. I I, I love the idea. I'm going to invite the audience to do it too with raving review, and awesome. find their way to to do exactly what you you would like everybody to do. Yeah, um, and don't forget to okay. hashtag it hashtag raving review, and that's how it spreads. Okay, and that's so that's uh, that's what we'll do. I, I'm grateful for you to be here, but we love food on this show, um, <laughs> and I know that there's more to Arlene than just uh, her business head. Um, first of all, uh, you don't know this, but you and I have one thing in common that I'm willing to bet uh, nobody else has in common with you. Uh, we have both lost the matrimonial home in Carstairs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, but we've both been through that because um, Arlene lived for a season in Carstairs way back in the day, and so did I, Carstairs, Alberta. Hmm. And um, here on the show... We love the food, and you have hinted from time to time that in your work-from-home world that you've been in, um, that you've got some baking things that have been going on and some experiments in your home. Would you be willing to share with us some of the Arlene Dickinson um, food experiments that you've been working on there in that, oh, that house? For sure. Listen, um, one of the things the pandemic has done to me, I mean, I have, I have been really blessed with an enormous amount of energy. I like, I know that I like, this is it's a blessing and a curse, but it's, it's truly, I get up and I need to go and I need to do things. And I like to keep busy and being kind of captured in a home and not being able to go out as much and not traveling nearly as much as I used to 
and going to events and seeing people has really kind of gotten me a little bit stir crazy. So then I started to think, well, you know, maybe I need to go back to my roots. And I used to cook everything. I used to can things and, and, and make my own bread and all of these things. Cause I didn't have any money. You know, we were really, really broke. So it was the only way we could kind of survive back in those days that you're mentioning. And mm -hmm. so I thought, you know, I should try canning again. And it started this summer where I thought I've got a great garden. I'm going to start canning. So I, and, and of course I never do anything like half measure. So, yeah. you know, some people would say, I'm going to try canning. Let's make a couple jars of peaches or something. No, I think I canned like something like 150 bottles of stuff. Like I oh made pickles and I made blueberry jam and cherry jam and pears and peaches and, uh, beets and oh my gosh, I just, <laughs> and then I thought, okay. And my, the problem is, um, I, and something else I know about myself is I'm not very habitual. And so I can do something like that intensely for a period of time. And then I kind of go, okay, now I'm done with that. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> so I did that wow. and, um, I will do it again, but I haven't been doing it since the summer. And then I thought, oh, I need to make, I'm going to make bread again. So I started doing that and I've tried so many bread recipes and, I failed miserably at sourdough, like miserably at sourdough. <laughs> and then, and then I, and then I, I tried to do making, bread once. It turned out to be like a rock. It was the worst experience of uh, my life. So, so bad. I, so bad. No. But I found a really great French loaf to make instead. So that's worked for me. Um, <clears throat> and then I started making um, like loaves and, and so I made cherry loaf and I made, um, cranberry loaf and I made banana bread and I made muffins and I made uh, cookies and I was giving all the stuff away because you know like <laughs> what am I going to do with it all so I <laughs> my freezer was full and then I started giving everything I was making away to you know neighbors and friends and people so everybody was loving me because you know they come anywhere within shouting distance of me and I'd be throwing a you know loaf of bread or something <laughs> say, take this <laughs> eat this because I, I you know I'm like gaining weight doing all this but it, it it's been it's been actually super rewarding and I think this is true for many people that are in the pandemic where we're getting back in touch I mean I invest in the food space now the food and, and health space and you know, my fund district ventures, that's what it does. And you know, you have a hundred million dollars that we try and help businesses in the food and health space to grow. And I've learned so much about, you know, the connection between what we eat and how we feel. And in addition to that, I learned so much about the joy of cooking, you know, and it is truly a joy. It is, there is something really fulfilling and beautiful about making food from scratch. First of all, you, you know, what's in it. Second of all, you get a chance to really de-stress because it takes you outside of everything else. And you're focused on that. Um, it's very rewarding because you, you, you can see, you know, you can learn from it. Baking's a science where we're cooking is more of an art. So you get to kind of play in, a, in both those fields, uh, both creatively and more from a scientific perspective with your baking. And I just have found it's, given me it has it's given me joy so I'm I I love it I love and I'm an introvert just so you know so I I, I actually really like my time um and I I bought myself a, a KitchenAid mix master which I and I like I I've been just having a ton of fun even when I'm I could be on calls from six in the morning till eight at night and and then in between I'm baking bread or I'm doing something because I want to multitask all the time, which is my nature. So I, I, it's fun. I'll be sitting here and I'll, you know, I'll hear, oh, I'll smell something. I think, oh, that smells so good. I can't wait to try it. And it's, <laughs> I sound crazy, <laughs> but it's been really fun. It's been really fun. It, isn't it interesting the places that we go through all this, right? I, I call it grounded. I've always said that the, the travel industry does so incredibly well be not because we go to warm places or we like free daiquiris, <laughs> but we take our shoes off and we put them in the grass and in the sand. And same thing with camping, that we just become grounded, right? Like we go to these beautiful places, we take our shoes off, we ground ourselves into the earth again, and then we feel great. When really all we needed to do is take our shoes off in our front yard and we'd probably be all right. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that's connected COVID to me is that we've sort of stopped and gone, huh, you know what? It's kind of nice around here. I kind of like these people. And in some cases, maybe I don't like these people. But you see, um, you get to see that for yourself and get to know yourself for that 
that sort of sense of joy and what it creates. Although um, I'm not an expert, but I would suggest that fitness centers might be a good investment after this because if I if I am an example of anybody, um, I have put on COVID nineteen pounds. Um, that once all this clears up, there's going to be a lot of people who are looking for activity um, to get out. So that was be uh, that would be a place where um, I would suggest there's some money to be made because man, oh man, the kind of the kind of eating that has happened in this house has been has been amazing. I will <laughs> confess that I have woken up with a plate of food, not a, like an empty plate, dirty plate, still in my bed um, from whatever happened the night before watching a movie and just enjoying food for the first time in a long time. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I love and It's something the family can do together. And it's something that you can enjoy and laugh about together when things I took out a a cranberry loaf the other day and I thought it was done and I took it out of the pan and it completely collapsed on the countertop and I had this huge mess on the countertop and I just thought uh, it was actually it just made me laugh I just you know like sometimes I think I think cooking is a, a great way to get in touch with who we are I, I feel really lucky I have a Peloton and I am so lucky I, I know that's a that I'm fortunate to have one um, but without that I think I would have probably gained COVID 38 pounds not 19 <laughs> um, so I've, I've, uh, I've been, I've been working out hard while I've been baking. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, Arlene Dickinson raving review. We're going to give it a shot. See if we can't, um, do our part with supporting local. Um, thanks for all you do and the inspiration you provide to people. Um, and thanks for sharing some time with yeah, us. My today. pleasure. Thanks for having me on the show. This is the shift podcast. So we had a conversation about truckers. And in that conversation, a few things have come up. And I thought we could start with, uh, if it's okay with the moon dial, to start with, are you okay, with one of the texts that came up about um, about truckers. Absolutely. Let me just dial up the moon dial. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wish you could see what he does. <laughs> Was that a hand sanitizer bottle? Yep. All right. <laughs> It smells like te- like bad tequila, though. Oh, that's the worst oh, hand sanitizer. Where it no. smells like really bad booze. Yeah, it, it's it's seventy percent alcohol. So if I'm ever having a bad night, I know what to do. Yeah, there you go. I'll we'll get the head, job done. By the way, top head. By the way, it. out there, don't drink hand sanitizer. Just no, do not. <laughs> Just to be clear, um, okay. One of the texts about all the truckers agreeing and disagreeing about terminology about the different kinds of trailers came in and said, I bet all the truckers can agree what a lot lizard is to which, uh, the curious light bulb went off in all of our heads and went, okay, Google help us understand what is a lot lizard. So are you okay with a lot lizard? Um, trucker terminology. I'm, uh, it's the kind of terminology where you hear it and immediately feel slimy. Is that, is that Mm. just me? You know, I hear that and I went, I, so I don't know what it is, but I'm not okay with it just from first impressions. But we'll okay. find out. Who knows? It could be something great. It I could heard, be something great. I heard the terminology and I just immediately figured out what it is. And um, I was right. You, Matt, was right. That sounds like it would be a what are lot lizards. Thank you, Dr. Google. Uh, for those who are new to trucking, the article says, a lot lizard is a prostitute who works in truck stops and rest areas. These men and women often solicit truckers over the CB radio by offering services such as, quotes, commercial company or a 40, 60, 80, which um, oh. means, <laughs> what was that? Sorry, I missed the radio call there. 10, 4, 40, 60, 80. Right. Um, I, you know, what's going to happen. We're going to get all these text messages about the code words for sex. So 40, 60, 80, $40 for oral sex, $60 for sex, and $80 for both is a uh, 40, 60, 80. Um, Bet all truckers can agree what a lot lizard is. Um, So that is a lot lizard. Are you okay with lot lizards? (sighs) Everyone has needs. We are all richer for this information. Yes, unless, of mm-hmm. course, you went for the $80 option here or $80 poor. <laughs> <laughs> and not just $80. Oh, ah, Angel is texting it. Ah, Angel. Angel's all over the text line. She's like, hookers. That's all she said. Um, <laughs> thank you. 
<laughs> very much. I, I don't know if there you have you pictures for that too, but you can keep those ones. Um, 877-399-9898. Are you okay? Stories you can contribute on to. Let us know what you think. And let's continue now for real with the are you okay? <sighs> Sorry, I lost my page. It happens. Are you okay with crotch kung fu? <laughs> Where are we going tonight? Wait. <laughs> are you okay with crotch kung fu? Um, uh, so I'm not what even going to try to unpack this here. Um. Okay. Well, I will say that if it has the word kung fu in it, perhaps there is quite a mastery to it. So perhaps the journey to become a crotch kung fu master is pretty cool. I don't know what a crotch kung fu master does but i'll just say i'm open to being okay with it but i need to find out what it is first uh i yeah it sounds like something a teenager might be a master of uh but mm. let's uh let's um let's get this um clip of something Judo! Daddy button. <laughs> oh, we gotta do that one more. Well, we'll do it after I read this. I okay. want to hear that one more time. I, a small group of martial arts masters in China's central province of Henan are the practitioners of kung fu stunt known as Iron Crotch. I am Iron Crotch. <laughs> um, the move involves a log that's capped with a steel plate. That's um, about six feet, seven feet in length. So just about a hundred pounds and it's like suspended on two ropes. So it swings kind of like a pendulum, like you would use like a battering ram type thing. Oh. And um, the, the, the art involved, this uh, smashes into the receiver's crotch area with the metal plate. They stand there and, uh, and, and they, they receive the gifts of the log uh, in the, crotchural reason region uh anyway the person at the receiving end of this stunt is said to use a, a kaigong breathing technique to avoid injury wang liutai a 65 year old kung fu master who has been practicing iron crotch for around half a century said the move does not hurt has no effect on fertility if done with the right methods and sufficient <laughs> practice uh, how is this possible even um uh we were going to quote the, the the Kung Fu master, but his voice was up here. Um, we'll let science explain how this could be possible. There's actually a group of specialized nerve cells in your body called nociceptors that react to pain. Unlike other nerves which readily fire in response to normal touch or temperature, nociceptors will only fire once a certain pain threshold has been passed. Some of these nociceptors respond quickly, sending signals to the spinal cord and brain, which produce sharp and sudden pain, allowing you to react quickly, while others transmit more slowly and are responsible for the prolonged, dull ache you feel. For males, testicles are internal organs that have migrated out of the body cavity, which we explained in a previous video you can check out here. And while some internal organs, such as the liver, feel no pain, others, like the testicles, are covered with many nociceptors, making them extremely sensitive. After all, their well-being is of the utmost importance. Furthermore, the testicles are attached to many nerves in the stomach, as well as the vagus nerve, which is directly connected to the brain's vomit center, and this is why when hit, the pain spreads throughout the abdomen. But this is where it gets tricky, because pain isn't simply a physical response, but rather a partially perceptive or subjective experience. This means that every single individual perceives pain in a slightly different way. And not only between individuals, but depending on your mood, alertness, or even previous experience, pain may affect you differently. It's for this reason that so many attempts to objectively measure pain have failed. Judo! Oh, right now, mommy, daddy button! <laughs> he can feel the pain. <laughs> Oh, well, that explains what I got hit three times in a hockey shift in the junk um, with a, a stick and a slap shot. That's why I vomited after uh, I got to the mm. bench. So that would ex that would explain that part. And I would just like to create the um, uh, the separation between the two words pain and injury. Um, they said that there's no injury. Well, you're smashing a log into your twig and giggleberries here. It's quite possible there's injury. Now, whether you've trained yourself to not feel pain around that, maybe. I don't know. Wow. Well, there was Respect. a day. Yeah, there was a day when I thought that um, we were going to change lives on this show. <laughs> that time has passed. 
<laughs> and now here we are. Uh, welcome are to you shift. okay? Are you okay with porch pirates? Dear no. God, I hope this is, this is what I think it is. Uh, no way, man. No way. No like way. they're the worst. Leave leave the stuff alone. It's not yours. Don't take it. This weekend, yeah. I was expecting a package to arrive on Friday. I wasn't going to be home. It was my Canada Post package that was supposed to be here on the eighth. That it was not going to be here on the eighth. That it was said it's going to be out for delivery on the ninth. Then it was not out for delivery on the ninth. Then it was delayed for a day. And then on the eleventh, it said it's going to be here on the seventeenth. And then it came out to the twelfth, and it said it's out for delivery. And then all of a sudden, Bing, it's delivered. I'm like, oh, thanks, Canada Post, for having making no sense at all when it was out for delivery, but still in Edmonton, and I live in Calgary. Now, that being said, I immediately texted my neighbor, Soleil, and said, dude, can you go to my front door and grab, there's a package that could be there, and can you grab it for me so it doesn't get stolen by a porch pirate? Because I didn't want someone to steal Christmas gifts, right? So no, I'm saying no way to porch pirates. I'm saying yes yeah, to no, cool neighbors. Yeah, no, you can't neighbors. let that happen. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Respect. So an Ontario woman is fighting back after a string of Ontario package thefts in her area. Uh, Lori Pringle, a Hamilton resident, told Narcity that she's had a number of packages stolen from her porch in the last three years. This year, Pringle decided to leave her thieves a smelly surprise and packaged up cat poop in a delivery box before leaving it on her French porch. Genius. It didn't take long for a man to take the bait. Pringle reports that the box was stolen only 40 minutes later. Reminds us of the time that YouTuber Mark Rober and the Home Alone star Macaulay Culkin created an incredible uh, trap package to ward off porch pirates. The trap box releases massive dose of fart spray. Glitter and fart spray. Glitter. Oh. Glitter? Yep. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, to anyone who opens it, uh, let's get the clip. We started with a complete redesign of the box to make it more streamlined and secure. For contrast, last year's design was a bit of a rat's nest. The fundamentals are still the same, where you have a battery-powered custom printed circuit board on the bottom that has a built-in accelerometer so it can sense when it's been jostled and then it tells these four phones to start recording. And these are wide-angle lenses, so as you can see, you'll be able to record the thief no matter which side they open it from. And then right here we have some fart spray, but we added a second bottle this year. So as both these motors spin cams around, not only does it spray twice as much, but we changed the formula this time around, and it is wretched. Dude. Oh, man. Oh, it's in my mouth, man. I feel like it just ate a turd. Never done that, to be clear. And just to prove how much worse it was, I sprayed last year's formula labeled A, and then this year's formula labeled B for 10 different people without telling them which was which. Oh, that's like proper poo. <laughs> Oh god! He just took a dump on my face. Oh! I still smell it. I'm sorry. I killed the coffee cooker. The box also plays a fake police scanner after it opens. Uh, I think that's genius. I think you. Uh, I think it's genius to put the cat poop in a box. And uh, that might deter them from, from stealing more stuff in the future. Um, I would also suggest maybe a camera might be an easier way to go and a little bit less gross. You, you know what they could, uh, you, you know what also might work? Hmm. Iron crotch. Iron crotch. Oh, could you imagine? You go to some porch pirate, slides up on your porch, and then you swing that big log at him and boof. Door oh. opens, just whoop. Down they go. That's Home Alone stuff right there. Down they go. They throw up. End of story. Right in the mummy and daddy button. <laughs> you gotta say it like uh, fat bastard though mommy yeah. dad they button <laughs> <laughs> you're better at it than i am uh okay let's do a quick one are you okay oh uh da, 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 da. are you okay here we go that's the button <laughs> are you okay button are you okay with super drones uh if they're just super then hey okay all right a drone has been converted into a flying flamethrower in central China in a fiery campaign to eradicate 100 wasp nests. Whoa. Uh, Blue Sky Rescue, a volunteer group that conducts search and rescue and other emergency work, have teamed up with a village in China, and they've taken this six-armed drone. Um, it hovers above a hive, about as big as a suitcase before it swoops down. They flip a switch, spits fire on the hive, lights it on fire. It's not the first drone equipped with a flamethrower. You can do that. Uh, this yep. flamethrower drone recently sold out. Here's a clip. With an onboard FPV camera, 
Pilots have a real-time view to navigate confidently through complex environments. Constructed from ultralight 3K carbon fiber, the TF-19 WASP is built to support maximum flight time while holding strength paramount. Instantly deliver precision streams of fire with the TF-19's high-power plasma ignition system, a game-changer for clearing vital infrastructure. I like the music. Wow. The like Wasp Flamethrower Drone. The only way to take care of the murder hornets. Well, that would be a terrible... Like, can you imagine like someone flying around a park with this? Oh, my God. It's the Shift Podcast. Merry Christmas. It's the time we can say that now. I always feel weird when you say it too early, but uh, it feels great when you sort of lean into that. We wanted to look across the country at all kinds of different local traditions. We started out sort of with this lens of, hey, what are the theaters up to? And then realized that not every city has a theatrical tradition at Christmas time. Some might have, well, Edmonton has Santa's Anonymous, for example. Um, there are the Candy Cane Lane in Edmonton. You can take your pick. What is the most important Christmas tradition in, in your community? Well, in Calgary, for me, one of the most important is a Christmas carol. And Stephen Hare is um, the Scrooge. He is the Grinch <laughs> of the show. Bah, humbug, bah, humbug. Yeah. And uh, he has the best bah humbug of all the bah humbugs. <laughs> um, Stephen, thanks for coming on with us and spending some time here on The Shift. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Well, and to you too, Shane. I appreciate it. Really great to talk to you. Really. really. You've been uh, – well, maybe can you tell the story about how you got involved here? I don't want to tell the story for sure. you. You have been Ebenezer for a very long time, and it's not how you got started in A Christmas Carol, but it's such a big part of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was very, very fortunate. Um, uh, Theatre Calgary started doing A Christmas Carol 34 years ago. This is their 34th year. And um, I was in the very first one way, way back and, and uh, in a version where I played uh, Charles Dickens, so sort of a narrator kind of guy. And then over the years, I played for five years, I played other roles. I played Jacob Marley, Christmas Future, you know, all that stuff, Turkey Boy, all that stuff. Um, and then after that, uh, I, I, I said to the director, said, I, you know, I'd, I'd really like to play Scrooge. And he said, well, you're too young and you don't have the life experience. Well, I was 42 at the time. And I said, well, Alistair Sim was the, the best, you know, as far, as far as I'm concerned, the best Scrooge ever was in his 40s and he did a great show. And uh, so, okay, goodbye. I'm not interested in playing Jacob Marley anymore. So he calls me back into his office a couple of weeks later and we go out for lunch and three hours later, I had the job of playing Scrooge. And 27 years later, I'm still playing Scrooge. So um, <laughs> I kind of showed him that it, it, Acting has nothing to do with age or life experience, uh, especially when you don't know that person's life experience. It's all about what you can do with what God's given you, you know. And uh, so that, that's, that's how the story went. And we've been doing it ever since. I've gone through probably five or six different versions over the years. And uh, uh, the one we started last year was a brand new version by a, a young Calgary playwright named Jeffrey Simon Brown. And then uh, we hope to polish it up and put it on again this year and uh, didn't quite happen that way, but we've come up with an alternative. Yeah. And we will talk about the alternative. Uh, how are you doing after two and a half decades of this being your season? I mean, every tradition in your life, I would assume has been wrapped around your availability <laughs> from the show and uh, your biggest working season of the year. Yeah. And here you are, um, you know, Steven this Christmas not yeah. Ebenezer and sitting at home. Yeah. Are you it's, okay? It, it, it's, uh, I'm okay as anybody else's, you know, there's days you just want to roll over and go back to sleep and not get out of bed. And, you know, those, those days do come there, this incredible cloud that's just, I don't know, hovering over us like crazy. There's a little ray of light now, but we'll, we'll keep our fingers crossed on that one. But you know, the, the, the theaters were, everyone says they they were the first to close down on March 13th. That was a Friday, the 13th. And nobody's really been open since. And so none of us have been working since. So that's a bit of a drag because when your whole life is creating something to to help other people, really, and to tell stories, that's really what we are as storytellers. To be sitting around the house is, is yeah, 
It's not my favorite thing to do, but I'll t- tell you what it has done. I-, I used to be sick of Christmas by the time Christmas Day came around because, you know, we mm-hmm. start rehearsing in October and sometimes we run until after Christmas, uh, eight shows a week, you know, uh, it's a lot of shows. So by the time Christmas came, I was sort of fed up with it. But this year, I actually have decorations in my house. I've got lights outside. I can't believe it. I'm really the Grinchiest of Grinches when it comes to Christmas. <laughs> and I was actually going to go down and visit my in-laws this year because they're in their 90s but uh, in Lethbridge. But I guess that's not going to happen this year either. So, you know, it, it's it's weird for all of us. Uh, it, it, it's tough times for everybody in every business. And I'm not trying to you know, weep and cry for the arts. But uh, we, we, we are our own business. Each one of us is an individual businessman. We work on contract. So when we don't have a contract, because there's no theater and very little film or TV happening, we have, you know, just ourselves uh, to hang out with. And that, yeah, get a bit sick of yourself sometimes, you know? Yeah, I agree that I don't leave my house, I think, for three or four days at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, some, some days. And I, I'm, pretty sure there have been weeks that have felt like there's been 21 days of them um each seven hour day broken up by a two-hour nap yeah oh, so that's true 3 30 nap time <laughs> yeah right it does kick in <laughs> but then when I wake so, up, it's dark you know <laughs> so then it's time for a glass oh, of wine yeah. And- <laughs> oh yeah i totally agree um there's a very small window with this late show uh that we get to see daylight um yeah. especially at this time of year So A Christmas Carol has been running um, for all of these years in Calgary. I have seen the show. I will tell you, I cry at the end of the show every time. The snow always gets me. (laughs) And and this year, the digital version of the program, I don't want to be a spoiler on it, but um, let's just say come the end, um, I got my favorite part of the show, and uh, that hit me. I watched it this weekend. And this new version that has been put together has three actors. And I want to manage everyone's expectations a little bit of the show. It's not the same show. It's not these big, beautiful sets and this outdoor skating and sort of the Grim Reaper uh, looking Christmas ghost and, and all of these things there. Although that part was remarkable too, the way that that was done on the fly. But the there are three actors with sound music and light changes flipping between characters doing a very theater version of a Christmas Carol. And it's beautiful in hindsight, seeing it now, um, how would you describe it to invite everyone to come watch the digital version of a Christmas Carol? I, I, I appreciate all that you said. and I'm glad you enjoyed it. I, I had not seen it until uh, it opened last Friday night, I guess it was. Uh, so uh, we had we had filmed it about a month before, so I had no idea what you know what it was actually going to end up like. But I think the technical guys did a fantastic job on it. Uh, it's it's very I would say it's minimalistic and it's storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're sitting in theater Calgary, any big theater, the 800 seat theater, and you're sitting you know 10, 15 rows back, you can't really see what's going on in the actors' eyes and what's really you know. And we have to be act so much larger. But when the camera's you know right in front of your face, it it, it does a lot of the work for you. It'll it'll read behind your eyes. It'll tell you how you how you're feeling and, and what's going on underneath what you're actually saying. And this is a, a, a profound change from, you know, acting big. Um, and I think from what people have said to me, they, they, they love that version of it because they finally get, you know, you can't lie. The camera doesn't let you lie. It's right there. You can't fake it. You can't, you know, it's, it has to be real and you have to feel it. And Scrooge's journey from darkness to light is, is an incredible journey uh, to go through anyway. But then to be switching in and out of characters, I play Mrs. Fezziwig, uh, Mr. Fezziwig, and I play Mrs. Cratchit. I play all the little boy Scrooges, my, 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 my fellow partners in crime, the other two actors. Um, they play at least 12, 13 different characters each. And we don't, we don't change costume or anything. But we change characters. It's like if you're sitting at home uh, and you're reading to your, your kid uh, Little Red Riding Hood, for instance. So one time you say, and then Little Red Riding Hood went up to her grandma. And grandma said, ooh, I don't know what to do. But then the big bad wolf came along and he, you change your voice, you change your character, you, you just do it, right? And that's what we are. We're chameleons and um, with, you know, three chairs 
and a couple of door frames and a ladder on the set. We, we make no pretense that we're not in a, an empty theater. We show the empty theater. We show the wings. There's no mm. set or scenery. But as you say, uh, we are able to use lighting effects and sound and music and snow and and just pure storytelling. Actors have been telling stories since the caveman was sitting around the fireplace telling about, you know, killing the, the, the mastodons and all that kind of stuff. So that's what we do. And I think there's an intimacy to this one that uh, it, it feels a little darker to me than, than, you know, as you say, the big extravaganza with 25 people and skating parties and hundreds of costumes. But there's, there's kind of a, I hate to say it, a kind of a COVID quality to it. It mm -hmm. feels to me that this is the darkness that we're all kind of going through. And then at the end, you know, Scrooge finds his way out of it. And so I don't want to get all profound about that, but you know, that, that, that's kind of the feel it has to me. I, I think it's incredibly beautiful in its simplicity, the, the production. And um, I, I'm, I couldn't be more proud of the way it turned out because, you know, you never get to see yourself. I mean, I've been doing this for so many years and I'm yeah. not keen on watching me, but I wanted to see what the whole play actually looked like from the other side, if you know what I mean. It's, it is remarkable. And there are some benefits that come out of it too. I was pleasantly surprised. Some of the camera angles give you uh, different views of the stage that you wouldn't get sitting in one seat. Mm -hmm. You get to see from sort of different seats down low, you get to see from up high. Um, so that was one benefit. Seeing the fly lines and everything else is also just kind of like cool because it's a yeah. it's a backstage tour, if you will, for yeah. everyone who gets to see that. Now, there was one piece though, and this is a, a theater thing, was the use of the ghost light. Yes. At the end of the day, in every theater, every theater that mm -hmm. I would suggest the world, but I know in Canada, North America, mm -hmm. there's something called the ghost light, and they put the light out. It's one stick on wheels with a light bulb on top, keeps yeah. all the ghosts and all the and all of the uh, the ghosts of the theater, the good ones and the bad ones, um, at bay and entertained at nighttime. Uh, in this show, the ghost light was used, and to me, it seemed like an awful lot of a a salute to all of the dark stages right now. That's where I really got the COVID feel from. Do, do you know some of the, the, the idea behind using the ghost light as one of the uh, pieces of the show? Well, what you just pointed out is exactly uh, what our, our director, Stafford Arima, I think had in mind with it. Uh, it is an iconic symbol for anyone who works in the theater. And every theater right now has a ghost light on. It's been on for like nine months now, 10 months almost. And uh, hopefully it'll go out soon. But that, that's the symbol that we wanted to use. And it's, it, to me, the, the fact that when the lights dim to black at the very end, that's the last glow is from the ghost light. And uh, the, the ghost of Christmas present and past, and they, they use our ghost light in our play as their prop. You know, I, I don't get to touch it. I see it and... They use it to look into the future, to look into the past, the present. No, it, it, it's, it's, it's a symbol of light is hope, right? You know? Light is hope. Um, what about the hope of Toonies for Turkeys? Um, okay. The, Let me, I'll tell you about that's Toonies. a big impact on the food banks, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's tremendous. Uh, now, now, Toonies for Turkeys is, is something that we started uh, back in 1997, I think. And it's uh, at the end of each performance, I go out and invite the audiences to chip in a buck or two as they leave the theater towards the food bank. And the first time we did it, I thought, oh, I don't know, maybe we'll make a couple of hundred bucks or something. Well, th this was way back in 97. We made about 1,500 bucks the first night. And since then, we've raised well over $2.2 million for the food bank just by doing this. And so it was very important to me that we continue that tradition, even though we're on film. And I got to tell you, um, Calgary never ceases to amaze me in their generosity. We are going through probably one of the hardest hit regions in the country right now, and people are still giving. So I, I haven't got. A, I, I looked at the numbers yesterday, and it's. It seems like for every day that goes by, people are donating about seven or eight thousand dollars altogether. We're already over thirty thousand dollars. It's. It's quite amazing to me. And uh, usually we, we pull in about um, 
uh, $100,000 a year. I think we're going to go over that because that number that I gave doesn't include an incredible donation by Shane Holmes, which has been a huge supporter of Tunis for Turkeys and of Theatre Calgary for years. They donated an incredible $20,000 wow. uh, on top of what we've already made. So bully for them for, for stepping up to the plate. You know, we're all hurting. They're hurting too, but they're giving back to the community. So this is awesome to me. It's beautiful. Um, I thank you for sharing time with us, Stephen. One of the coolest benefits of all of this, not to be forgotten, uh, because the digital version of A Christmas Carol from Theatre Calgary runs until December 31st. And if you just go to theatrecalgary.com or uh, Google Theatre Calgary Christmas Carol, um, and you can, you, can, you can get it for 25 bucks and sit down with your household and watch it. It is the story told. Uh, it is um, brought to life. I think the minimalistic way, I like the way you described that. That was really cool. Um, and I should say, just let me toss in there if I can, Shane, that, that 25 bucks, you can, you can watch it for five days in a row. You can watch it as many times as you want. You know, I know you can't necessarily share bringing your friends and so on, but it's there. So, you know, something for the kids to do maybe on Boxing Day. And well, and date like night. Like, yeah, uh, you, yeah. you and your, you know, if you're, if your partner or spouse or girlfriend or whatever boyfriend is, yeah. is on the other side of the city or in another city, you guys can each go by it and, um, and you guys can have your date night. So that's amazing. And it really is the first invitation for all of Canada to get to see this. I would go as far. And I said this to Melanie, I said, I would go as far to say that this is the kind of show. If I ever moved away from Calgary, that I would fly back at Christmas to go see it yeah. is that good. Um, it is that important. Um, it is that remarkable. And Stephen, I, I, I just acknowledge your hard work and the fact that you guys pull this off between, uh, Jamie and Marshall and you, um, as the cast, it it is, it's remarkable. And you know what? It's not the same. And I think that if you try to do it the same, you would do it a disservice because this is just not the same kind of year. And I I really Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Well, I appreciate it, Shane. It's great to get to know you and get, get to know your show and, uh, and your audience too. I, I really appreciate this opportunity. So uh, best to all of you and your family and uh, all your listeners. Merry Christmas, everyone. Stephen Hare, Ebenezer Scrooge, 27 years in a row and a Christmas Carol is, um, is available for you until the end of the month uh, with a digital version of it. Merry Christmas, Stephen. Thank you, my friend. You too. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.